0: Jared Sign on the show today. Jared is uh, an, a, another old friend, and he is at this time with the Match Group. Now, Jared, there were a lot of things that I didn't even know that the Match Group was uh, was part of. And I remember the first time I heard of the Match Group, I'll, I went immediately to go, Match.com, Match.com. And I thought, what in the world is Jared doing, man? <laughs> but with that being said... Just give us a little bit about yourself. What have you been doing and what, what, what does your job entail? And a little bit more about the Match Group.
1: Yeah, Maurice, thanks so much for the time and, and great chatting. Um, so, you know, Match Group is a company that owns a number of online dating brands. Uh, You know, if you haven't heard of all of them, I'm sure your kids will at some point because they'll be using them. (laughs) But from, you know, Tinder to Hinge to Match.com that you mentioned, which actually started the category back in, you know, 1996. We've got kind of the one of the oldest legacy players to some of the newest, most interesting, hottest brands that are out there in the dating front. Um, You know, and one of the great things about online dating is what I love about my job is the fact that we are helping people find those people that matter most to them in those parts of their lives, right? Whether it's their first love in college, whether it's their person they're going to spend the rest of their life with, whether it is, you know, trying to figure out who they ultimately want to spend their life with, we get to play a really important role in that journey. And it's just a great thing. One of the things most people don't realize is that, you know, in 2019, a study showed that 40 plus percent of all relationships today start online. The pandemic only likely accelerated that number, and so we're excited. We get to, you know, be along for the journey with folks on such an important journey. So we, it, it's a fun, it's a fun space for sure.
0: That is an incredible space, man. And the thing is, when I was reading a little bit about that, of course, knowing you uh, from from back in the day when you were with, with the law firm. And, I, and I, I apologize because I did get confused. I thought you were out in New York first for law school. And then I realized that uh, you just happened to work for the biggest law firm in in, in the world, right? <laughs> well,
1: there are a lot of really good firms out there. Cravath is, is on the list of, of one of the good ones. But yeah, there are a lot of good ones out there.
0: Right. Well, what's amazing though, is to see your your trajectory from the time that you were at Carvath and we were, we were talking a little bit about even the sports agent possibility back in the day too. <laughs> what, essentially, what, what led to your journey to your current position? Because looking back at, especially on your profile, uh, there, are, there were some pretty, pretty significant stops along the way. And just wondering yeah. what, if you could take us through the, your, your path, if you will.
1: <clears throat> yeah, well, I think, look, like any good sports fan... When you go into the law, that's kind of the first thing you think about. Hey, maybe at some point I'll get to be, you know, a sports agent or something like that. Now, along the road, you know, I, I started at Cravath, spent a couple of the, couple of years there in New York. Really, that was where I learned how to be a lawyer, is where I learned how to work on m and deals, which is where I focus. You know, how to buy companies, sell companies, merge companies, how to uh, engage in uh, complex strategic relationships with other companies that, you know, benefit both sides. Um, And so that was kind of the school that I went through at Cravath and the training that I got. Um, And then I went to Latham in L.A. uh, and there just kind of continued that work, but actually did work on a couple of really interesting sports deals, none of which happens. I can't actually talk about them, unfortunately. But, uh, you know, that was kind of the highlight of my early career was, hey, I'm working on sports deals. You know, we might buy this company or sell that company or build this stadium or, you know, do this other thing. So, you know, that was a lot of fun to work on. Um, And, you know, for me, one of the things that I'd always wanted to do was go in-house and and be an in-house lawyer. Eventually, hopefully someday, you know, be a chief legal officer or general counsel um, of a company, just because I always really enjoyed the business elements of what we were doing. The legal side clearly is table stakes and that's important. You know, how to, how do you get the deal done? How do you make sure that everything uh, is done appropriately and that all the boxes are checked and that all the I's are dotted and the T's are crossed? Um, so that's key, but really being part of the driving force behind how that decision is arrived at. Why buy this company or that company? Why sell this asset or that asset? Why enter into a relationship you know, with this uh, either startup or competitor or whatever it might be? Um, And it felt like a lot more of that happened in-house than what happens, you know, at the firm. So I kind of viewed the firm as, you know, a little bit of my training grounds. This is where I developed those necessary table stakes skills. And then my business interest and, you know, curiosity and all those things that will come to bear once I get in-house. And so the first in-house job I took was at Expedia. Um, And at Expedia, you know, Expedia, when people hear that name, they think of Expedia.com. What what many people don't realize is that within the portfolio of Expedia, you have Expedia.com, you've got Hotels.com. You know, while I was there uh, at Expedia, we did a lot of really interesting deals and expanded that footprint pretty meaningfully, buying Orbitz and Travelocity, some brands in Australia that, you know, are very well regarded there, but most people outside of Australia wouldn't know them. Um, Trivago, which people have heard of, uh, and ultimately before I left, the last thing we helped them buy was HomeAway, which has now been rebranded as Verbo. but it's really fun to kind of see the strategy, see the, hey, this is what we're buying this asset for, and this is why we're buying that company, or this is why we're divesting this asset, and so that was a really fun part of the journey, and a really important part of the journey in terms of becoming a well-rounded not only lawyer, but business lawyer, somebody who understands how to get a deal done from a legal standpoint, how to negotiate the finer points, but also understands the key drivers from a business standpoint of why you want to do a deal one way, or why you want to do it another way, or why you may not want to do it at all. So um, that was a really important part of my progression and my growth, um, and really set me up nicely for this opportunity here at Mash Group when the chance came along to be able to uh, to. to st- Step into what was originally a general counsel role, and then over the course of the past couple of years, and a couple of uh, advancements, I'm now the chief business affairs and legal officer for Match Group.
0: Wow! You know, I had no idea on the uh, on the Expedia side, I had no idea that you were you had your hands in so many things that have impacted my and my, my my family's life, <laughs> <On> <laughs> regular basis. So well, that was one of the things. You know, I
1: love. Yeah, one of the things I loved about travel was, you know, you were really doing something people love to do, right? There's right. there are very few things people love to do more than travel, right? Maybe meeting their significant other is one step closer <laughs> to the heart. But travel is kind of, you know, it's something that, you know, runs across races and cultures and genders and everything else. Everybody loves to travel no matter who they are. And so it was a fun space to work in for sure.
0: Wow. That is amazing. And I'm just I'm telling you what. Latham and Watkins seems to be a feeder into corporations. <laughs> You're the second legal counsel that I know. Actually, one of my friends that was working down in San Diego is now one of the presidents of Sempra Energy, uh, one of the five presidents okay. down there. So it's just unreal. So anyone out there, looks like Latham Watkins is a feeder.
1: <laughs> <laughs> hey, look, it's a great firm. You know, one of my uh, really close friends and mentors is a partner there. We still do a lot of work with him and, Right. You know, Kravath did a great job of preparing me to go to Latham, and when I was at Latham, just really great people working on really great deals and great opportunities. So, yeah, it was a it was a fun place and a fun time for me to learn and grow as a young lawyer.
0: I love it. I love it. And the thing is, when you look at it from that holistic point of view, uh, just to see what works, what doesn't, it's something that uh, either in a firm or when I was in organizational development, for instance. Become we became too myopic in some of the different things that we took a look at, and I'm just wondering how did you how did you approach it to where you needed to to push the bigger picture and helped individuals see the bigger picture because what I found is oftentimes people were so emotionally attached to their different uh, pets, <laughs> if you will, yeah. and then to really get into what is not only logical but also that will be of greatest impact. Um, take me through some of those things that you did in order to paint that grander picture.
1: Yeah, look, I think in every role, there's that opportunity to do that, right? To come in and say, hey, where are we today? And really, the question that you need to ask is, where are we going in the future? I think too often, we get so focused on the day-to-day that you really do lose the forest for the trees, right? You hear that expression all the time, but it happens. You get so focused on, okay, is this a sycamore or a palm or what kind of tree (laughs) is this? And, you know, you just dig down so deep on the one, you actually miss the overall opportunity of, hey, where are we really trying to get to? And it's not all about this one, you know, item or this one initiative or this one product that's on the roadmap. It is, you know, what does the future look like? And, you know, when I stepped into the chair at Match Group, I kind of did that a little bit. I took the first, you know, X number of days and I sat back and I said, what really matters to our business? What are the things that are the going to be the key drivers for the future for Match Group? You know, what do we do well? What do we need to continue doing well? And, and what do we need to explore and expand into? You know, and as I looked at the at the waterfront of things, you know, a couple of things stood out to me that were really important. One was um, you know, there's, there's this legal regime called Section 230. You hear a lot of talk about that actually today. Right. When I was joining, Expedia, or joining from Expedia, you know, back in 2016, it didn't get all the front page news and headlines it gets today. And people weren't, you know, threatening to shut down the government over it. Right. <laughs> um, but what that law does is it says if you're a platform, you're not legally liable for the content that your users post. Right. So if I set up a platform, if I'm, say, Facebook and a bad person comes and posts something terrible on the platform, that bad person is responsible for that content. But Facebook actually is not responsible. In fact, they can't be sued. They can't Mm -hmm. be held accountable for any of that. Um, But what I noticed happening is we just acquired HomeAway at Expedia before I left. And one of the things I'd watched happening was that governments across the globe were saying, hey, this whole home rental thing, yeah, we don't love it. And the reason we don't love it, you know, isn't because it's making our cities more crowded isn't because of all these other reasons that were kind of used, it was because they weren't actually able to capture the tax dollars associated with those rentals, because they're really hard to identify, right, they would show up on a platform, the transaction would happen kind of off to the side. And going after every single homeowner to collect those taxes was going to be really hard. Um, And in many respects, those platforms were protected by laws like Section 230. And so what did these governments start doing? They started saying, you know what, platform, we're going to make you responsible to collect the tax because it's way too hard for us to go to each of these individuals and get the money so you collect it or we're going to pull it out of your pockets, which Wow. If you're the platform feels really unfair. Right. You're the government, it's the only way to enforce. And so I looked at that and I said, you know, if they're going to do that for taxes relating to home rentals, right. I could easily see a day in the future where that same logic will apply to platforms. Where If you're not policing your own platform, if you're not providing the right safety tools, if you're not trying to protect your users in the right way that could be an issue where they may say, hey, we no longer wanna give you protection under this Section 230 or equivalent laws that exist around the globe. And so early on when I got here at Match, we already had every brand doing a few things relating to safety, but we decided we're gonna up our game. We're gonna create a very robust safety platform with principles that we increase and elevate every single year. Because we want to be ahead of what we see as might be coming down the path uh, from changes to these laws. Right. But the other piece of it was, it's just the right thing to do. Making sure yeah. that your platform you know, provides as safe of an environment and robust of an environment with tools that users can use to keep themselves safe just was the right thing to do. You know, yeah. So that was one of the areas that we really focused on in terms of, hey, let's try and see what might be coming in the future. The other thing that we focused on um, pretty extensively was from a privacy standpoint, right? Right. You know, if you think of a dating platform, really what we are is we're a portal where users can come talk about themselves, post about themselves, so that other individuals can decide whether they want to engage with that person, uh, potentially romantically, potentially as a friend, whatever that might be. Um, And so it's really important to me that, We think about how do we keep users' data safe and private, right? So, not only do we want to keep the users themselves safe, but how do we protect uh, their data? And so, you know, GDPR was coming. That's the privacy law that came into effect in 2018 in Europe that's really kind of set the stage for privacy across the globe. And I just said, if we're not the best at privacy that we can be, People are not going to trust us with their information, and then our platform is going to go by the wayside. And so, we really focused on, hey, how do we make sure that we keep our users' data safe and private? And, and you know, you see what privacy has become today. Uh, and someone might say to me, "Well, Jared, how did you know that those things were going to become big? How did you know it was going to lead that direction?" And candidly, I didn't. You know, um, I'm the type of person who believes that if you are a good person and living right and praying a lot, that you're going to get little seeds planted um, from above and those seeds are going to kind of bear fruit in the future. And really that's the way I think about it. I was, you know, led to certain experiences that taught me certain things and I listened and was open to direction and guidance. I think that, you know, many times, in many respects is divinely um, uh, given. And that helped us to kind of think through and see the future. And a lot of those things that, you know, I saw three or four years ago, five years ago in some respects are now happening today. So, um, you know, that's kind of how I think about it. I try and combine, let's have some good pattern recognition and let's combine that with some, you know, thoughtful, prayerful, uh, whatever your background is in in that respect insight that will allow you to to distill the principles um, that you need to take away from it for the future.
0: You know what, Jared, this, again, I knew you as a friend, in in New York and and (laughs) to hear you talk like this it's I'm getting amped (laughs) because it's
1: getting you amped legal stuff getting you amped it's It's getting me
0: amped because when you when you see a when you see a friend and you you have an idea of what they do hey he's a lawyer and, and such when you start to reveal different things that you start to apply to impact a whole multitude of people and, and in this case, it's, it's gigantic. It's gigantic. I mean, I, I can't tell you how many friends, for instance, I've had hacked on Facebook. And it's I mean, it's probably happened on a number of different platforms. But it sounds like you had the foresight to understand that some of these things were going to be a problem so that those things were already in check. You were way ahead of your time. And was, I know that you're no, not, not perfect. Don't, for you it, know, but.
1: <laughs> yeah, don't get me wrong. We haven't gotten everything exactly right, but uh, but. You've been really really fortunate I think really directed to kind of do some things that you know make online a better experience. Yes. Um, and again, dating is hard, right oh, yeah. And so you'll hear people say that online dating sucks. you'll hear that at times. <laughs> yeah. um, I think in general dating can be a really difficult uh, it can be a really difficult journey yeah. right um, because you have so much in terms of you invested emotionally along yes. that journey. And so, whether it's online, whether it's offline, those emotions carry through, and that makes dating difficult. I do think, and I think if you talk to most people who use online dating platforms, which is a lot of people today, you know, it is a much more efficient, much more um, open experience. You know, and some of our data points demonstrate that it actually leads to not only better marriages and relationships, but more diverse marriages and relationships. You're getting outside of your pool of people that you otherwise, you know, know through your friends, right? And so you're meeting people of different backgrounds, different cultures, and creating these really important connections in society that otherwise just would have never existed, building bridges be- between communities that otherwise wouldn't have existed. And so, you know, it, it's, a, it's a really fun space in that way.
0: It is a fun space. Matter of fact, I, I heard a, I heard something in a, in a, actually, it was a church talk. <laughs> and they were saying that that in all the different churches, the the number of singles uh, and th- those that are unmarried far outweigh now the folks that are married, and that has some serious implications. I mean, I when I married, I was older. I was much older. I was in my mid thirties when I got married, and <laughs> I was a rejected society in my in my family's eyes. Right? <laughs> and I this Match.com might have, no, I don't think it was there. I mean, I'm that old. <laughs> but, but, oh, come on. <laughs> but looking at this, it, it really, I would have definitely taken a look at the, a platform like this to get into that. And matter of fact, a lot of my friends, um, whether that they're, they're older singles or uh, they're divorced or whatever it might be, they do turn to these platforms and I know sometimes that they feel a little bit vulnerable too. And and you have mentioned a lot of the safety measures that are in there. And I was looking at, there was one article I was reading with you in it that you were were talking about how those protect uh, those individuals uh, against any uh, bad faith individuals, if you will. And I'm just wondering, can you divulge or can you go into a little bit of what some of those safety precautions are? Because um, I, I know I don't, but I, I know I would appreciate it big time.
1: <laughs> yeah, look, it's um, the world is a, is a difficult place because you have people who don't always have the, the best intents, whether that's in the real world or online, right? And the reality is you face these risks, whether it's in the real world or it's online. And so what we are trying to do is create environments where you know, we can use the data that we are entrusted with to try and weed out some of those bad actors. So whether that's, you know, through pattern recognition of, hey, if someone who's a bad actor does X, Y, and Z with the first 50 people they meet, well, can we apply that more broadly and then say, okay, we're going to create a rule from our AI or machine learning perspective that's gonna say, when we see that, that's a flag. And as a result, we're going to double check into that and look into whether or not this user has the right intentions. Um, And so, you know, there's a lot of the under the hood kind of behind the scenes stuff like that, that people never see, but we're also doing a ton that people do see. So for instance, you know, on, on some of our platforms like Tinder, we've launched what we call, does this bother you? Which is where you as a user, you get a message and our AI, our ML will say, Hey, did that message offend you? you? know, Trying to make sure that people are reporting uh, users who are engaging in inappropriate activities so that we can get them off. So putting some of that power into the, into the user's hands and prompting them. But we now even go so far as, for instance, we last year rolled out a tool with a partner called Noonlight, where you go out on a date, you've got a sidekick in some respects. You've got this in real life emergency tool where if you find yourself in a difficult situation, you can hit a button and it will send your exact location to our partner, Noonlight, who then can give that directly to the first responders so they can dispatch someone directly to where you are and they have your location data the entire time so they know where you're going. So if the wow. day went horribly, horribly wrong, you would be able to still get assistance. We've also recently partnered with a group called Garbo and what they're trying to do is democratize access to background check type information. Not your credit card history and those kinds of things, but the kind of things that matter when you're dating someone in terms of, you know, does this person have violent crimes that they have been uh, convicted of or charged with, or those things? You know, those things that matter to you. And so we've partnered with them to be able to bring that power into the hands of our users. So as a user, I can choose. Hey, I want to make sure before I go out on this date with this person, I know what type of a person this is. So there are lots of things like that. And we find that partnering with experts is really, really important. Mm -hmm. In fact, one of the things we're really proud of is we launched what we call our Match Group Advisory Council, which is comprised of leading experts in all sorts of spaces from child exploitation to uh, domestic violence across the board so that we can get their input and know-how And also so that they can review what we're doing and say, hey, this is a place where you could do better. or This is a place where you might be missing something. Um, And so we find that, you know, you can't really do this alone. The more ideas you have from other people and you're bringing those in, the better you get. I think what's most dangerous is when companies or individuals think, hey, I'm the smartest person in the room. I've got this. I'm going to figure it out on my own. We've realized the opposite is true. We wanna make sure we get all the smartest people in the room from as many diverse backgrounds as we possibly can and as many diverse perspectives because it's only when all of those perspectives are brought together that you can actually get to the right outcome, that you can actually see those things that you otherwise wouldn't see. So that's, that's how we think about approaching safety.
0: Wow, now listening to you talk about getting those diverse perspectives, I could get a pretty good idea of what the culture is probably like there in the match group. It sounds like that's probably something that's already internally uh, happening on a, on a regular basis, right? It's nothing, no one's hoarding information. They're actually sharing it. They're having that dialogue at the table. Is that, is that a fair assessment? Yeah, look,
1: no company is perfect at this and we're all getting a lot better. You know, I think a huge spotlight has been um, put on diversity and the role that that plays. And you know, when you're talking diversity, you're not just talking cultural diversity, you're talking gender diversity, all types of diversity that allow us to make sure that we see everything from the right perspective. Um, and so if you look at Match Group, we you know, have a very diverse board. We're one of the few boards that you know, has really good diversity. Our CEO is a, is a woman who immigrated from India Right, and so we've got great diversity at the at the very top of the company, and that just carries all the way through. You know, I think of my team. You know, we've got a really good blend of different cultures and backgrounds, and men and women, etc., that allow us to get the right perspective as we're going in and having discussions. Um, and so, yeah, it's dangerous. It, it truly is dangerous when you know you only want people who look like you, think like you, act like you. Because sure. you're never going to get to the best outcome. You're, you're never going to get to the best answer because you're only seeing it from one perspective. Right. Um, and we've learned that. And, and fortunately, we've got a culture. And again, no one's perfect. We're getting better. Everybody's getting sure. better. But we've got a culture where, where we actually seek that out. Um, and we're trying to, to get better in terms of the voices and perspectives that we can not only listen to, but then act on as we go forward.
0: That's great. That is great. I, it's always good to hear that a company has that. And I, I call it using, using diversity in the way that it's meant to be getting everyone together in that, in that format, yeah. not that format, but that way. Wow. You're also getting me thinking of if I was, if I was hesitant to get into match.com and, and again, there's so many of my friends that are on that. I can't even tell you. I wish I could get a dollar for everyone that, you know, does that, you know, I hope, hopefully we can, arrange something like that uh, but uh, <laughs> that being said we'll, we'll see what we can do we'll see what we can do. Yeah. <laughs> but that being said what what would you say to someone that might be hesitant uh because let, let's face in the past there are different formats that have they've probably been burned on they've been fried on and, sure. and so on. gone and, and this isn't a sales pitch by any means but if you were talking to me as a friend and let's say that um and from your experience I'm, I'm gonna I'm going to trust that you're not going to be biased you you chose that place for a reason because they they stood for something but what would you tell me uh, especially especially given when I'm looking at when I was married and there's, there's some fragility there is right right and so how how do you get a person past that to to, to take a chance on something like that
1: well you know it's really interesting <clears throat> you know I think what we see is this what i would call stigma that you're talking about in terms of the concern or the fragility related to these relationships to start online it really has eroded for those of the younger generations so if you're talking to users of mobile platforms that are under 30 35 years old yeah. this is every day for them uh, in fact the stigma is more associated with if you're not using these platforms or you're not using these tools that are available um and, but my advice kind of goes to both, whether you're comfortable with them and you, you enjoy them and use them all the time, or whether you know, you're trying to get into them for the first time, the real advice is just be smart. Yeah. Do like you would do in any aspect of your life, right? Um, just like if you met someone in, in person, you'd want to know what their background is, where they come from, what schools they went to, all those kinds of things to establish that relationship and get to know them. You know, online is no different, right? Make sure that you have a good baseline. Um, We have, you know, tips in terms of how to make sure you are being thoughtful and keeping yourself safe, right? Like, you wouldn't just go out on a random date with a stranger in their car to X location without knowing anything about them first, right? Well, the same thing applies to online, right? Be smart about it. Uh, If you're going to meet them in person, then make sure to meet them in a public place. Make sure that you have control of your own transportation. These are all the tips we provide to people. But do it the same way you would do it if you were meeting this person for the first time in real life as opposed to online. And so just apply those common sense rules. And in general, if you do, you know, it's great. And in some respects, I actually think online dating can be safer Uh, if all the tools that are available to you are used, you know, as we roll out Garbo or we have, you know, one-to-one video chat dating, which you can engage in before you go on that first in real life date. I can get on a video chat with someone that I met on, you know, Hinge or that I met on Tinder or Match.com and get to know that person a little bit, right? make sure, hey, you know what? This actually does make sense. And I actually do want to go and take that next step and meet them in person. And then when I do that, I'm still going to, you know, be smart and follow common sense about it um, so that I'm in control of the situation. Just like anyone would tell you about any kind of dating. Um, And I think the other benefit really is you expand your pool. The number of potential people that you can meet is limitless uh, when you're using these platforms. And, you know, maybe that can be overwhelming to some, but just take it one profile at a time, right? Like does this person look like someone I'd want to meet? If yes, Great, let's try it out. If no, move on to the next one. Right. Um, so, you know, I, again, as with anything, be smart, use common sense, and then just take it one step at a time. There's no need to, uh, there's no need to go beyond where your comfort level is.
0: Right. Well, you know, you know I have to ask you this question. You have been there for long, long enough now that you've probably seen some pretty cool stories. <laughs> I'm not Oprah. I'm just wondering <laughs> what are some of the coolest stories that you've ever seen where match was, was such a, such a, great, well, actually it, it impacted it, it impacted people. It, it truly impacted yeah. them. Whether They hooked up or whether it helped them in, in another arena, aside from a relationship Any any stories you have like that you could share.
1: You know, I don't have a specific anecdote that that I'll share, but what I will share is maybe a a more general or broad theme, you know, as we went into the pandemic, I think people were really concerned about how are we gonna connect? How are we gonna meet with people? How how is this world gonna function and operate, you know, when people can't go out and meet? And I think what we saw really quickly was that because of the tools and the things that our platforms offer, people were able to go on connecting and go on meeting and to find people to kind of cope with the pandemic through, right? Oh. Um, and what an important thing that is in today's society when you know you're in a situation really uncharted territory, right? Where people can't go out, can't meet in the normal institutions that they might have personally, um, historically, and all those things, right? And suddenly you're now in this environment where you know you're not sure where you're gonna make that next connection. We were able to bridge that gap for folks. Uh, and I think, you know, to me, that's one of the times that just really hit me about how important it is what we're doing. You know, we, we do all hands on a regular basis. And, you know, one of the more fun all hands we did was um, where the entire company was watching and we brought a couple in who, you know, got engaged in front of the company after having met on one of our platforms. and you don't see that at many companies that, you know, that's not something you have a hand in. Um, But, you know, you see those kinds of experiences um, or, you know, when I go out and I meet with people and I tell them who I work for, they'll say, oh, well, my brother met his wife or my sister met uh, her husband or, you know, my, my good friend met his husband on your platform. You know, and when you When you see the impact that you have in individuals' lives and it's just that one degree of separation, you know, it's really powerful. It's really fun.
0: That is great. I mean that is uh, that would that would get me going to work every day in a in a company. <laughs> it really would. I mean, you yeah. have a very solid why. I mean, something. said it goes back to that. Start with why, and you really do. You that company has a really good definitive why. So and, and it's a cool one, man. It's not something I want to go is. make more money today. It's something we're yeah. going to impact to life today. <laughs> <laughs> We're gonna go
1: make a family today. We heck, we may make some babies today. Who knows what's gonna happen? <laughs> good things are gonna happen.
0: I love it. Oh, this is fantastic, Jared. Uh, I can't thank you enough for for taking a taking a little smidgen of your data to, to talk about this because you've informed me a lot, and uh, I I know that'll be something that'll be something that will help another person too especially when they're thinking about this this whole thing here you've you've taken away some of the the misnomers if you will and the, or the stigmas the stigmas that might, might might come to that but I love it so thank you for your time
1: <laughs> oh. well thank you Maurice always good to reconnect
0: so. oh absolutely right and looks like uh, you're you're you have your BYU shirt on over there. <laughs> I think, are, are you anticipating where that uh, quarterback's going to be going uh, here, or have has he been taken yet? I think that's next week, right? I think that's next it's week. It's
1: Thursday. Yeah, it's oh. Thursday. Hey, look, um, it was a, a fantastic season for the Cougars on a lot of fronts, right? Basketball, yeah. football, soccer, etc. cetera. Yeah. Um, but I think, uh, look, Zach's a good one. I still remember a couple years back when he was just an incoming freshman. I'd gone to the fathers and sons with my son at the time. Right. And there was this fresh-faced, you know, freshman quarterback who was running the, the one of the football drills for the fathers and sons. Uh, and we were throwing footballs through the tires, right? And you saw all these kind of <laughs> old men. Right. Or, you know, <laughs> Men beyond their prime will
0: Glory play. day, you guys. To
1: throw, that's right. Trying to throw a football through the tires. And they even, were, they even had one of those trucks going by, you know, yeah. that was like 30, 40 yards down with the, the four or five tires on there. And it was a pretty pathetic showing. And this fresh-faced face, fresh freshman steps up, and he just starts gunslinging slinging it through those tires. And we were like, who is this kid? Well, that, that was Zach Wilson. Impressive then, impressive now. And whoever gets them will be lucky.
0: Oh, man. Well, good luck with that. They, and good luck with a continued new uh, new season coming up here.
1: <laughs> exactly, exactly. That's right.
0: We'll catch you soon. Thank you again. <laughs>
1: All right. Thanks, Maurice. Got it. Bye.